gave me a, a kind of a bio and uh, kind of went through and kind of picked out some things. There was lots of, lots of things. A man of amazing experience and training and development. Um, our friendship goes back into the 80s uh, when I was in Edmonton as well. We were both in Edmonton. I love his uh, kind of his opening comment and he, he bears this out in how he carries on in his life and what he does and what he communicates and how he supports others. He said, to bring God's purpose, pardon me, to bring God's order and purpose to a fallen world. That's his life mission statement. Uh, his experience in training and development is so diverse, it's really amazing. Uh, everything from going to a Signs and Wonders conference at Fuller Theological Seminary in California to getting a Saskatchewan Voyageur Certificate for canoeing on the Waterhen River. <laughs> that's, that's okay, but just, I thought that was kind of interesting from signs and wonders to paddling a canoe. Lots of different things that he's done. Uh, he's been the president of ACOP since 2004 and is leading us very, very well. He's leading us into growth and development. We're very thankful. I, reading through his information that he gave me, he's been in 24, at least 24 different countries. And in doing that, it wasn't just like he was holidaying. He was on mission or kind of spying out the land to see what God could do there in these different places, visiting our missionaries. So widely traveled, widely educated, wide life experience. Um, when he sent me this a lengthy document, he said, if you want to just say a sinner saved by grace, he's good with that as well. <laughs> so that kind of shows the spectrum. So I'd like to welcome my personal friend and my new boss, Wes Mills. Let's give him a nice welcome. Well, thank you for that introduction, Dave. And uh, I it's good to be here uh, with you this morning. Lois, my wife is with me. Lois, can you give us a wave? There she is. She doesn't get to come very often, but she's here today, so you're very lucky that she's here. I'm much better when she's around. Um, I want to, first of all, thank this congregation for being willing to release Pastor Dave to serve our fellowship as a regional director. And as you've got to know in the past three years, I'm sure you'll agree he'll be a great, a great encouragement to pastors and churches and leaders across uh, his region. So thank you for that. I'm also delighted that in the providence of God that you have chosen Steve Atkins to be your next senior pastor, and I'm really excited about that. I know that Steve and Marnie and their family have been part of this church for some time, so you know them well. But I heard a story about Steve a few weeks ago, and, and uh, would you like to hear it? Sure. Well, only because you asked, all right? <clears throat> the story takes place a few years ago. Steve was in the bathroom helping one of his boys brush their teeth. And as they're putting the toothpaste onto the toothbrush, somehow it squirted out of Steve's hand and it landed in the toilet. And so Steve fished his son's toothbrush out of the toilet and threw it into the garbage. And then his son grabbed Steve's toothbrush and threw it into the garbage. And Steve was a little taken aback and said, you know, son, the reason I put your toothbrush into the toilet or into the garbage is because it fell in the toilet. He said, I know, Dad, but yours fell in last week. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. You might want to check with Steve to see, to see if that's exactly the way it all played out. But uh, it was a story I'd heard anyway. So. I'd like to uh, encourage you, if you have your Bible, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. 
The uh, kind of underlying theme for today is about servant leadership, and uh, so we want to begin with this passage that really is the focal point of servant leadership in the New Testament. It says, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? he asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we're able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup, but I have no right as to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for ones that he has chosen. When the other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. May the Lord add his blessing to that reading from his word. A few years ago, I read a book by Warren Worsby entitled On Being a Servant of God. And in uh, that book, Worsby defines ministry in this way. He says, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And I think that's a pretty good definition, but I'd like to modify that definition just, just a little bit by adding one additional phrase. That ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels and the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. Not all of us here are uh, vocational ministers, although there are a number of district pastors here. Could I have you stand? Anybody who's an ACUP pastor in this area, would you stand? And let's, let's see. Very good. Welcome to all of you. There are a few of us here. Thank you. Not all of us are vocational ministers, but all of us are called to ministry. And since this is an induction service, I'll be making application to vocational ministry. But since we're all called to be involved in some kind of ministry, I want to encourage you to draw an application for your life and for your place of ministry. So ministry begins with divine resources. All ministry finds its source in God. The psalmist said, the Lord is the strength of my life. He is the source of my strength. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer to the Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The author is the source. In Philippians 4.13, the apostle Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul said, whatever God calls me to do, I can do it because Jesus will strengthen me. He is my source. And then in John 15 and verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him He bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. That's pretty unequivocal. There's not much wiggle room in that. We can't do anything effective in ministry without Jesus. The effectiveness of our ministry is dependent on our relationship with Jesus. In order to be effective ministers of the gospel, we must learn to abide in Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul exhorts us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
But I would like to submit to you that before we can abound in the work of the Lord, we need to abide in Jesus. He is our source. And our ministry should be the overflow of our relationship with Jesus. So if God is our source and his resources are unlimited and unrestricted, God has not called us to be in the manufacturing business. He's called us into the distribution business. I think that we can waste a lot of energy trying to manufacture something for God when he simply called us to be distributors. And probably the best example of this comes from the feeding of the 5,000. The, uh, the, the miracle of, of Jesus feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're talking perhaps 15 or 20,000 people. It's recorded in all four Gospels and probably most of you are familiar with it. But Jesus has been teaching all day long and he's been healing the sick and he's been delivering people. And uh, it gets late in the afternoon and the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's getting late in the day and this is kind of a remote place and there's not very many McDonald's around and, and the Boston pizza is quite a ways away. So why don't you let these people go so they can pick up something to eat on their way home? And Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And of course, they go into panic mode and, and Philip says, well, that would take eight months of a man's wage if we were to feed all these people. And and uh, James and John go rustling through the crowd and they find a little boy with a lunch and they take his lunch and they bring it back to Jesus and they said, well, we've got five loaves and two fish. Uh, what's that amongst so many? But Jesus says, have the people begin to sit down on the grass. And so they, they do that. And, and uh, as Jesus blesses this little boy's lunch and begins to break it, it begins to multiply. And you know the story of how everyone was fed and there were 12 baskets left over. There's an interesting verse in John chapter 6 and verse 6 about this miracle. When Jesus says to them, you feed them, it says this, he did that only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus wasn't asking the disciples to manufacture something. He was asking them to distribute something. The multiplication took place in Jesus' hands. The distribution was the work of the disciples' hands. And the same is true for us. Jesus has called us to be distributors of divine resources. When we begin to see ourselves as distributors rather than manufacturers of divine resources, faith will rise in our hearts and we'll experience a wonderful sense of freedom and ministry because we're just distributing what God has already supplied. We'll no longer be frustrated by trying to do something we've not been called to do. And we won't be afraid of new challenges because we know that our God is a God of unlimited resources who will supply whatever it is he, we need to accomplish the purposes he's called us to. Steve, as you're installed as senior pastor, I, I noticed you're switching it to lead pastor. So he was the senior pastor and you're the lead pastor. I think that's a, quite a significant switch, actually. So as you're installed as senior pastor or lead pastor of this fine church, please remember that God has not called you to be a manufacturer. He has called you to be a distributor. And he has called you to lead this congregation in the distribution of divine resources in this community. Amen? Secondly, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs. The text that we read at the beginning of the message this morning, it ended with these words, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gave his life for needy people. He healed the sick, he delivered the demonized, he raised the dead, he fed the hungry, he reached out to the disenfranchised, and ultimately, he laid down his life for the sins of humanity. Jesus has called his church to continue the ministry that he began. 
Therefore, he wants us to serve the people of our communities. I'm sure that we'd all agree that the greatest human need is a spiritual need. We'd agree that everyone needs to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I found that most people aren't aware of their spiritual need. They're in tune with their need for groceries and their financial needs and their housing needs and their employment needs, but they're often not in tune with their spiritual needs. I find they're often keenly aware of their emotional needs because many people in our communities have been broken by exploitation, by abuse, by addictions, and by loneliness and isolation. In fact, the greatest need in urban centers today is isolation. That's the greatest felt need is people feeling isolated. Today, 80% of Canadians live in urban or suburban settings. There are more people living closer together than ever before, and yet people feeling more isolated and more lonely than ever before. Through social media, we have created pseudo-communities where we have hundreds of friends but no relationships, and we end up virtually connected to many but desperately lonely. The greatest felt need in most urban centers is isolation and loneliness, which leads to feelings of hopelessness. The vision of the Apostolic Church at Pentecost is that we would be a passionate people, extending God's grace, igniting hope, and serving the people of our communities. It's that idea of extending grace and igniting hope that we need to pass on to our communities, that we need to use to serve our communities. Jesus' ministry was holistic. He cared about body, soul, and spirit, and he's called us to holistic ministry as well. And when we serve the people around us by ministering to their felt needs, we win the right to speak into their life about spiritual needs as well. Steve, a little later on in the service, I think you're going to be receiving a towel. And uh, may that be a tangible reminder that you have been called to continue the ministry of Jesus by serving this community. Number three, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels. Apostle Paul said that it was the love of Christ that compelled him, or the love of Christ that motivates us in ministry. We don't minister to gain acceptance. We don't minister out of a need to be needed. We don't minister to please men. We minister because of Christ's love for us. And if we're motivated by anything other than the love of Christ, then human needs will not be met and God will not be glorified. Not only does Christ's love motivate us, but it's Christ's love that flows through us. When you read through the Gospels, you discover that one of the things that characterized the ministry of Jesus was his loving compassion for people. Matthew sums it up this way. When he saw the crowds, he saw them as had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and they were helpless. Jesus was a channel of God's love, and he's called us to be loving channels. And loving channels should not be misinterpreted to mean passive conduits. God has not called us to be passive conduits. God wants us to minister incarnationally. He wants to work in us and through us to reach out to our communities. Philippians 2, Paul said, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. My friend Owen Scott has said, Jesus gave his life for us so that he could give his life to us, so that he could live his life through us. And that's the essence of what ministry is all about. Jesus giving his life for us, giving his life to us and living his life through us. God wants to love people through us. Matthew 23, we find Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem, expressing his desire to gather the children of Jerusalem together as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings. And Steve, it's my prayer that Jesus will give you the same passion for the community of Moose Jaw that Jesus expressed for the city of Jerusalem. 
Fourthly, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus returned to the Father, uh, he said this to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John was baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The last thing Jesus said to his followers was wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Don't, res- don't leave Jerusalem until you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because if you're going to continue the ministry that I began, you need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to point out that the gift of the Father arrived in a prolonged prayer meeting. And I would suggest to you that that would be the source that we would go to when we are looking for the empowerment of the Spirit. We need to be in prayer in the presence of God. The prophet Zechariah wrote these words, It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That word might is translated elsewhere in the Old Testament as strength or as efficiency or as wealth or as armies. The word power is translated human strength elsewhere. So it's not by wealth and it's not by our human abilities. It's not going to be because of of great strategic ideas that this church will move forward, but it will be because the Holy Spirit has empowered you to lead this church and this congregation to serve this community. And finally... Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels and the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth. He prayed this to his Father. I brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Steve, God will be glorified in your ministry when the people see the master more than the minister. John the Baptist had it right when he said, he must increase and I must decrease. Secondly, God will be glorified when you're effective. John 15 and verse 8, Jesus said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. In the church, we sometimes confuse efficiency with effectiveness and productivity with fruitfulness, but the bottom line is that results matter, and results bring glory to God. Finally, Jesus will be glorified in your ministry when the light of the world is reflected in your life, Steve. Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And Paul said, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to bring glory to God. Bring glory, bring honor, bring bring fame to the name of Jesus. So Steve, ministry will take place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels and the power of the Holy Spirit, and it'll bring glory to God. And may that statement characterize your ministry as you begin your tenor as the lead pastor at Hillcrest Apostolic Church. God bless you. Bart, I think I'm to turn it to you. Thanks, Wes. Um, We wanted to have some symbolism here, and and this is kind of a two-part thing that's going on today in the sense that we are going to be acknowledging Dave, and that's what I'm going to do right now. And then later on, we'll we'll complete with the induction of of Steve. And so I have a few comments that I want to make. with respect to Dave, um, when Al uh, tendered his resignation back in the fall of uh, 2010, he used the metaphor of a baton. 
And we think of this scripture where, where Paul is saying, I've run the race, I've run a good race. Um, and so, so Al was using that metaphor of saying to the board, I'm passing the baton on to you, the, the leadership of Hillcrest. And, and the board held that baton for about, well, it was over a year. I can't remember exactly how long before our search was completed and and we brought Dave in. And so then, as a church, as a board, we handed that baton to Dave to say, Dave, you are now our leader. And uh, for whatever time that, that uh, Dave would be with us. And today, Wes has talked about servant leadership. And we're going to be using, through, through, uh, through today, the metaphor of the bowl and the towel that Jesus, on the, on the night that he was betrayed, um, he washed his disciples' feet as an example of servant leadership, probably the strongest example of that um, that we have of Jesus. And so we're going to be using that metaphor. But just a few comments about, um, about Dave and, and, and his, his you know, we could go on for quite a while, but, but in that search process and... and um, back in 2010, 2011, God knew all along. God had a plan for Hillcrest. And as a board, as a church, we looked around and we considered different people and different, different things, but God had a plan. And God knew who was best. And our, our small group is looking at the, the thing by, uh, by Bill Hybels, Whispers, and we're, we're, I think the board and the church at that time started hearing Whispers, Dave's the guy, and we asked him once, and he said, no, now's not the time, and, and we kept looking around, and, and Dave's the guy, um, and Dave has his own story about, about how he felt called, but we listened to the whispers of God, and, and when we were obedient to that, I think over these past three years, we can all agree that listening to those whispers is the right thing to do. Because this, these past three years with Dave at the helm, holding that baton, um, have, has really blessed this church. Um, so we had the courage to act. And Dave and Pat had the courage to act, to say, yes, we're going to leave the church that they were at. They were finished with that season, and they felt God was saying, yes, this is the place to be. And God confirmed his works. Right? They have been a blessing to us. They have been a blessing to our staff. Um, the, they, this, Dave has poured his life into um, to the young staff we have. I call them young because they're all younger than me. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Dave has poured into them. He's mentored them. He's guided them um, wider across beyond just this church and He's had impact on, on Joe's place, on other ministries here in town. Some of the other pastors from, from this district are here because Dave has had an impact uh, as he's come back to be at Hillcrest and to be a part of the ACOP. He's had an impact uh, beyond our city into those churches and even within, within the ACOP broadly, as, as, as uh, Wes has talked about. So really my thanks... Uh, are mostly to God for being faithful, to whispering to us, to, to being faithful as we were obedient. He has blessed us. 
He has blessed us each individually. We all probably have stories of how God has blessed us. And so my thanks are to God. But I also want to say thanks to Dave. To Dave and Pat, on behalf of all of us, for hearing God's whisper, for having the courage to come here and obey, and for serving us these past three years. So I'd invite Dave to come up, and uh, this is, I think, maybe the last chance he gets to hold the microphone. Someone made that this week uh, for us, and it's, <clears throat> it's really beautiful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. I guess I want to say thank you to this church. Um, the reason that I said no when I was asked the first time in 2011, in the sort of late winter of 2011, um, I was exhausted emotionally and spiritually from a, a challenging pastorate that eventually became what it was at the beginning, once again, a very beautiful church and a, a beautiful experience. But there was a season in there. It was very, very difficult. I'm not going to go into that. <clears throat> but its impact on me was exhausting. But God and his faithfulness met me and refreshed me. Even before the church turned back to a healthy place, he turned me back to a healthy place. <clears throat> and that happened in the summer of 2011. When I got the second call, which is kind of surprising, when you tell somebody, no, I'm tired and I'm old, why would you want me? That's usually it. But God had a plan. And uh, you, as a church family, prepared me for my next job. You gave me life. You... You energize me with your respect and your love constantly. And I have to say that one of my greatest experiences in life has been to pastor this church and to work with the staff that are here. They have become so dear to me and to see what God's doing in their lives and to see their capability far beyond my own. I've made this statement. Now that I'm leaving, I can be more honest with you. <clears throat> this church was actually, I think, in many ways, in a sense, past my leadership gift at this place in my life. But it was not past my encouragement gift. And so by that, God um, helped me to be a blessing to the staff and to you all. When I came, you heard me speaking a prayer. Remember the first time I came in the building and did my canary service? Tried to look good. But I, I was burning inside with what God was saying into my life about prayer. That's not left. Uh, sometimes it gets lost in the busyness of life, but it's not left. And Steve is going to be leaning on you to head down that same path. And he made a comment to me, or I heard him say it in his talk the, a couple Sunday back, Excuse me, he said, uh, what you planted, now we need to water. And I encourage you just to pursue that. So thank you to all of you for your part in our lives, for all the friendship. 
we are still living here. This uh, will be our church. And Steve, I'm proud to say you're my pastor. Take care of me. <laughs> I'll need it. <laughs> so when we're home, I'll be here. We'll be on the road quite a bit. But uh, it's a great place to, to... I brag about you. I'll continue to brag about you and hold you up as a great model of what healthy churches can look like. So thank you. And I'm going to give this towel to Bart, who will pass it on to you, Steve, at the right time. God bless you, Bart. They didn't tell me I was going to have to stand up after that. Now it's, <clears throat> I was doing good until then. Thanks, Dave. It's my privilege this morning to tell you a little bit about Steve so far. And just to keep him hum humble, I told him this morning, I get to do the toast to the bride. So that's what this is. Steve Atkins was raised in Suris, Manitoba, as part of a large family with parents who instilled biblical values at an early age and modeled faith in Christ. And you can meet them this morning. They're here in the second row. Norma and Colin, welcome. And we'd like to welcome all the rest of the Atkins family that's joining us and the Greff family as well. Thank you for coming. Following high school, Steve spent three years in Eston at the Full Gospel Bible Institute, now Eston College, graduating in 1993. And it was actually during those years that Steve and Dave met each other, and they even traveled on a, on a mission team to England together back then. For a year after Bible college, Steve traveled in Western Canada with a group called Life Force. Once again, they were working with youth in schools. And after Life Force, Steve had an invitation that he couldn't pass up from a pastor named Lauren Tebbett in Nippon, Saskatchewan. Lauren said, come and work with our kids and youth here, and I will mentor you. So in 1994, Steve moved to Nippon, which was the beginning of eight years of ministry as a youth pastor at the Nippon Apostolic Church. Eight years and five senior pastors. It was almost like nobody wanted to keep working with you. <laughs> Lauren Tebbett, Llewellyn Jansen, who's here this morning, Jim Arneson, Daniel Zapula, and Keith Powers were all pastors that he worked with. And who said that the youth pastor never sticks around? I think he broke some records, probably for lots of churches, eight years in one place. And a lot of formative things happened um, for Stephen Nipwin, both personally and in ministry, not the least of which was that during those years, he met and married his beautiful wife, Marnie Greff. And in fact, this year will be their 16th wedding anniversary, and they now have two kids, Javen and Judah, who've always known Moose Jaw as home. So about Moose Jaw. In 2002, Alan Buchanan finally convinced Steve and Marnie to come to Moose Jaw. Did you know that it took three invitations for him to come? Dave wasn't the only one who said no the first time. If I remember correctly, once was when Steve was still single, once when they were engaged or in that stage somewhere, and then when they finally came, it was as a young married couple um, when, when Javen was just a baby. So third time was the charm. 
In the 12 years that Steve has been on staff at Hillcrest, he has served as first as youth pastor, then as life groups pastor, and in more recent years has coordinated our preaching themes and calendar um, and taken on a variety of other roles, um, all while continuing his sem- seminary studies. So that's a bit of a timeline of how God brought Stephen Marnie to Hillcrest, but I'd like to take a couple of minutes to tell you a little bit about who God has brought us to Hillcrest. I've been friends with Steve and Marnie for 20 years now, a little bit more um, with Marnie, and Steve was actually an add-on a couple years into Marnie and I's friendship, but, and Steve and I have been co-workers here at Hillcrest for 12 years. We were mere teenagers when they hired us. As a friend, I've watched Steve and Marnie as single adults through their dating and courtship years, as a married couple, as parents, and as foster parents. I've seen them celebrate God's goodness when amazing things happen, and I've watched them grieve grieve through pain and loss. Their faith stretched and strengthened each time. They are people of depth and integrity, and I can tell you that these are two of the strongest people I know, not because they know everything or they know how to do everything, but because they know in whom they can put their trust. As a team member and fellow pastor, I've Steve and I have had a lot of laughs over the years, but if you know, as you get to know Steve, you realize that he's more than a quick wit, an eloquent speaker, a killer board game player, and a good sport. In him, there's also a sincere desire to hear God's voice and walk in obedience, a desire that his life on the outside be a true reflection of God's work on the inside. I have so much respect and admiration for both Steve and Marnie, and those of you who know them will agree with me that God has brought us a high-quality couple for this season of leadership, strong, loving, stable, and a godly influence. They aren't perfect, and they don't pretend to be, but they're willing to let Christ continue to form them as they lead and move forward. And I know that you two don't need my stamp of approval today, and I'm not telling the rest of you anything that you don't already know if you've been with us for any amount of time and journeyed together in the last 12 years. But to me, I think that's really the the beauty of today, isn't it? That we've already embraced these two, and now we can confidently follow because of what God has already begun in our midst. So Steve and Marnie, we are so thankful that God has chosen you for this time. And we love you, and we're excited to join you as you lead in the direction of what he has for us next. At this time, I'd like to introduce Pastor Ernie Metz to come and join me on stage. Pastor Ernie is the pastor of care and community groups at the Regina Apostolic Church in Regina. He's also the district director for our Southern Saskatchewan, so he's the one who encourages. He is an encourager. He is an encourager at heart. He oversees the pastors in our area and encourages us. So will you welcome him with me this morning? Thank you, Daisy. Pastor Steve Marty, if you'd please come up. Just while they're coming, um, Stuart Hammond wrote the song, I believe it is no secret what God can do. And, uh, you know, I wonder, brother and sister Atkins, as you sit there, and, and Steve was a teenager, you wondered about your son Steve. I know that when Steve was in Bible school, I heard about Steve. And it wasn't all positive. <laughs> but it's wonderful what God can do in the life of an individual. And uh, I just want to say, Pastor Steve and Marty, I just appreciate the two of you so very much. And what a privilege it is to take part in your induction service today. 
And I'm reading that passage, you know it well, as Paul wrote to Timothy, gave him a charge, and I want to read that passage to you this morning. It's Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. Paul said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead as appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Now, Pastor Steve, I've heard this comment. You are the best preacher that any, they've heard. I've heard that a couple of times. Sometime I'll come and listen to you preach. <laughs> yeah. uh, going on. Yes, give him a hand. For you at Hillcrest, you know Pastor Steve. <laughs> going on. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But be watchful in all things, endure affliction. And Pastor Steve, you've been around long enough. You know, if you're a pastor, you have to endure some affliction. <laughs> it will come to you. It's just part of being a pastor. Um, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And Pastor Steve... You know, your ministry won't look a bit like Pastor Dave's. It won't look that way. You're Pastor Steve. And how you lead this church as lead pastor, it will be different. So may God bless you and give you wisdom as you take that chart. To you, Pastor Steve and Marty, as you come to this new position, um, will you commit to give yourself to this assembly in prayer? Will you be faithful in preaching and teaching the word? Will you choose to give love and care to the people of Hillcrest Apostolic? Okay, God bless you. And to you as a congregation of Hillcrest today, I want to speak to you just for a moment. Um, Pastor Steve and Marty are a great couple, and you would all agree with that. But you know, they're not the perfect couple. And so will you give them grace? That's so important. If at any time you have an issue with Pastor Steve, would you please go to him directly and not talk to others in the assembly about him? The biblical thing is to go to him directly and share what you're struggling with. For you, as Hillcrest Church family, will you pray for Pastor Steve and Marty on a regular basis? Will you be sensitive to their needs and let them know how they are loved and appreciated. We give them the freedom to make mistakes. If you support Pastor Stephen Marty in this way, would you please repeat after me, we will support them. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Ernie. At this time, we'd like to welcome the elementary children as they join us for the final part of the service, and I'm going to invite Bart Ojima to return as well. Okay. We, we had an induction service, obviously, in uh, 2012, and my part now and our part now is is a prayer 
And I was asked to lead this prayer, and I thought, who am I to lead this prayer? Um, what I have done is I've written a prayer, but I've asked some of the, some of the most senior folks in our congregation, Don and Joyce Nordine, to help me, and some of the younger people. So we're at, I'm going to ask um, Lindsay and Seth Lewis to help me, but I'm also going to ask all of you to help me in this prayer. And so it won't be the typical sort of evangelical prayer where we all grab, gather around in a big uh, huddle and lay our hands on. First of all, I, I did figure there would be a lot of people and we'd all want to be involved. And so we're going to be involved by doing this prayer together. So it's written out. And th those that I've asked to help lead this prayer will, will read a line and then in bold on the overhead will be a line for, for all of us as a congregation to, to respond with or to read. Ernie's charge to us as a congregation was that would we support him, would we pray for him. I didn't know exactly the words that Ernie would use, but I thought there would be something like that. And so you'll see in this prayer three, four parts, four parts really. First of all, we want to give thanks for what God has done in Steve's life and bringing Steve to us. The second part, we want to do what we've already committed. We want to pray for Steve, that he would bless him. The third part you'll see is an asking God. We've made the commitment. We will support Steve. So the next part is us asking God to help us to do that. And the fourth part is, is just a bit of a reflection of a prayer of induction, a prayer of appointment. And, and so if I could ask, there's going to be a bunch of people, and I, we can't have everybody here, but I would like the current board members and their spouses, if they're in the room, um, to stand here. I'm going to ask Steve and Marnie to come stand on the platform or on the first or second riser here. And... Um, I see that Steve's parents are here, so I think it would be appropriate. And Marnie's parents, I haven't talked to you, but if you could stand behind them. They're going to face you. And us that are reading the prayer are going to stand with you down on the floor facing them. Because as we're doing this, we're doing this all together as a church. So with just a little bit of movement here, and we'll get started on this prayer. It's a little bit longer, and if you feel like you're in a United Church, hopefully we don't do this too often. So, <laughs> so Dan, Chris, if you want to join us too. Steve and Marnie, right, right about here. And then we can get parents and, and board members in behind, please. Oh, yes, and I've asked Al to come up as well. Um, Al has been a huge part, as we've heard over the last uh, over 12 years uh, of ministry here. And Dave and Pat are coming up as well. So, so they're doing the huddle thing. And, and um, yes, everybody's here for this part. So um, I'm going to ask Don to start this prayer off. And um, 
If, if folks want to stand as well, and we'll stand together and pray this prayer. Father God, we give you thanks for Steve's godly heritage and upbringing. May you bless his parents and Father, we thank you for your call on his life. We thank you for the many gifts and abilities you have given him. May you bless his teachers and mentors and help them develop We thank you for the life partner you have given him in Marnie. We thank you for preparing him for this new season in his ministry to youth at Hillcrest and in Nipawin. In his ministry to children at Kettleston and other camps. In his ministry to youth at Hillcrest and in Nipawin. We thank you for placing a love in him for Moose Jaw. Father, we ask that you bless his walk with you. May Steve always know he is firstly one of your children. Give him strength. Give him courage. Grant him vision. Give him wisdom and insight. May the light of your word guide his feet. Fill him with compassion and kindness. That this would be a place of healing and restoration. May he be a model to us of a servant's heart. Father, help us to be faithful in prayer for Steve and his family. Father, help us to give Steve the honor and respect due him. For it is you that has placed you over us. Father, help us to live out the gospel that Steve shows us from your word. Father, help us to submit to his counsel and correction. Father, may we always extend grace and kindness to him. Father God, we acknowledge your hand upon Steve and that you have called him out from among us, that you have now set him over us as our shepherd. 
So we dedicate him to you this day. And we dedicate ourselves to supporting him in this calling. Folks, would you join me in a short prayer of thanksgiving before we all close in a big amen together. Heavenly Father, we pause to thank you that you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. For I have ordained ministries. I have gifted ministries. I will give them ability and power through the Holy Spirit to answer the need of the people of the Church of Christ. And I will give spiritual power that raised Christ from the dead to my ministers to raise a standard against the evil powers of Satan and hell. And all of this shall be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, my representative, to my ministers. And then all the church will join in the last word line. In your great name and for your glory alone. Amen. And so this is where we pass the towel on to Steve. <laughs> and uh, I'll turn the microphone over to him. The rest of us can be seated. I must say, this is all a little overwhelming and uh, and uh, so filling blessing incredible um, yeah I think about you know a few years ago I, I was trying to memorize some scripture and uh, sometimes when you memorize scripture there's and you're trying to do a big chunk of scripture there's stuff in there that you just want to skip over you're like oh I don't need to know that or memorize that I just want to get to the stuff and I was memorizing I think it was the beginning of First Timothy, it's vague now if I remember right, and it was the older NIV, and I think in the older 1984 or whatever version of the NIV, it starts out, it says, Paul, an apostle by the grace of God, to Timothy, etc., etc. And I just wanted to skip that every time I memorized, because I thought, you know, it's just the greeting at the beginning of the letter. But because it was at the beginning, and because I was trying to memorize the whole passage, I kept having to go over it at the beginning, again and again and again and again, and then suddenly it started to speak to me. Paul, an apostle, by the grace of God. Now, actually, Dave, probably, the words an apostle probably apply more to you in this new role than to me in my new role. But I just thought about, for all of us, isn't it true that what we are is by the grace of God? And anything that God has brought into our lives, any role that he's given us is by the grace of God. Today, I stand here sort of blown away by the grace of God and also by the grace that you've extended to me. It hardly makes sense. It's not even fair 
It's just the grace of God. And that's what I'm walking in today and just, and just thankful for today. And just think of all the relationships in your life, too. The fact that you were born by the grace of God. The fact that somebody, somewhere, raised you by the grace of God. Uh, by the grace of God, you might be in relationships with some really good people. By the grace of God, you might have people that you would call family. All by the grace of God. And uh, I'm just uh, almost swimming in the, 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 the level of that grace of God that I'm experiencing right now. 22 years ago, I was, um, I was loading up a blue Mercury Meteor station wagon at the back end of Dorm 3 at Eston College. And I had just finished graduating from Bible College, and I was loading all my stuff up, and I was about to just drive away, uh, go put $400 worth of gas in the tank. And um, as I was about to leave, I ran into uh, the last person I would see before I left Bible College, and that was Dave Wicks. He was an instructor at the college at the time, and uh, I just sort of was small talking with him, had the vehicle loaded, was ready to go, and we ended up talking about a, minister, a church prog- a youth program that was fairly, I thought was a big deal, out in Surrey, B.C., and uh, we were talking about how the leader of that program had just stepped down, and now they didn't have anyone to lead that program. And I remember saying, who are they going to get that could fill the shoes of that high level of a leader? Like, who are they going to get who could possibly fill those shoes? And Dave's word in that second was, you could do that. Now, I'd gone to Bible college, and I had promised uh, my friends... Uh, Tony, David, and Chris, that I wouldn't become a pastor. Because they asked me, are you going to become a pastor? And I said, no, no, I'll still be the same guy after I come back. Don't worry, I won't become a pastor. So sorry, guys. Um, and, but even after three years of Bible college and all the good go- work God had done in my life, I didn't still know what was going to happen with my life. I really thought I was going to go to university, maybe become a teacher. My mom was a teacher, still is a teacher. Actually, if any of you teachers need a sub tomorrow morning, you want to call a sick day, my mom is 80 and still subbing. And so uh, you can, yes. So. So Dave's words in that moment, Steve, you could do that blew open possibilities for me. It was like shut doors. There were doors shut in my mind that suddenly swung open. Really? Dave thinks I could do something like that? Now, I didn't go and apply for that job, but when I got a call later on to come and work with Lauren Tebbett, I was already in a different frame of mind, and it was just a casual conversation. The reality is, is Dave Wicks has had those kind of casual conversations with thousands and thousands of people through the years. He has invested so well. And God has given you, Dave, you said your gift of encouragement was big enough, even though you felt your leadership gift wasn't as big. Uh, your leadership gift is plenty big. Uh, but your gift of encouragement is enormous. And you have uh, just, what year did you start pastoring? 70, 76. So we're almost, we're almost at 40 years here. We're almost at 40 years of vocational pastoring ministry, but I got to think that God was using you as a pastor before that as well, speaking words of life into people like me at different junctures that open doors of possibilities for their future. And God records, we don't have to, he'll keep score, but he'll tell us someday uh, of all those things, of all those conversations and the fruit that they bear.
And I know in this congregation, you've experienced it too. Uh, Dave has just poured out encouragement and love on this congregation over the last three years in just incredible ways. And uh, our, as a staff, we've all benefited. I know elders, you've been, had a great opportunity to work with this man uh, as a congregation. Like, you know when he gets up and he says, man, I think I died and gone to heaven already. I'm in this such an amazing church. If you were a doubting, skeptical person, you might think, this guy's just blowing sunshine. But if you know him like I know him, if you've had those personal conversations, he says the exact same thing when you're alone with him. Like he always is talking about how much he loves this church, how amazed he is by this church, and, and how, much, how healthy this church, and how, good thing, how many good things he sees in this church. He talks about the elders like that. He talks about, man, Steve, you're going to get to work with such an incredible elder board. You are so lucky. He talks about our staff that way. He's like, I can't believe this team we have around us. He ta- he's done that again and again and again. It's thoroughly ingrained to the depth of his soul, the ability to encourage and I believe that that ability is, is going to be absolutely essential, Dave, as you go into your new role. It's going to be absolutely essential. You're going to encounter pastors and leadership teams and churches, and some of them are going to be broken, and some of them are going to be sick in their soul, and some of them need uh, a shepherding influence in their life. And you've been a shepherd all the way through, and God's, he's elevating you to a position where you can help not just one church but many churches. And our relationship changes. I, I, I can't even fathom being your pastor and how all of that means. Uh, I will take that on to the greatest of my ability and uh, try to uh, imitate you in the way that you shepherded me. I, I think, though, that the, the skills and ability that God have given you, uh, the timing is right for this. And it shifts our relationship with Dave as well. He has been the chief servant in this church for three years, and uh, it's time for us to serve him and Pat as they go into a role that has great implications. There is a lot at stake in what he's doing. I know you feel the weight of it sometimes. There's a lot of weight, and so the time to pray for Dave didn't diminish today. It actually grew, and so as a church, even as we learn to grow in the thing that Dave started in us, he, he always was exhorting us as a staff to pray. And then he was modeling what it looked like to pray. Doug and Dave, eight in the morning, every morning, coming in here. I caught some of it because I wasn't here all the time. But as the year went by, I began to catch on to this rhythm with these guys. But these guys praying, interceding for this church. Crying out to God for your needs, for your souls, for your, for your good. It's time for us to do that as well for Dave. As he goes, we want to be a strong sending church, a strong supporting church. We want to be the kind of church uh, that gives you strength and enables you to do what God has called you to do. I actually had a fellow uh, Gen Xer. I'm from Gen X, by the way. Uh, there's not very many of us, really. There's the baby boom. There's the millennials. Then there's this big dip in the middle. And there's about 12 guys. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is that churches that make that transition from baby boomers earlier will have a Gen X probably step up. But in about two years, we'll all be used up, and millennials will be actually. So there'll be a big jump happening in a lot of churches. Wait for it. You'll see the guy who's 65 turning the church over to the guy who's 25. It's going to come in just a couple years. Uh, so 
start praying for those churches and the fun that they're going to experience. <laughs> but I had a guy ask me, he was just, a, he's, in a, he's a pastor that they're doing a transitional model in their church just like we did. And uh, he said, how do you do transition in your church from one leader to another? How do you make that work? You know, isn't it awkward? Isn't there that point where people don't know which leader to look to and all those things? And I said, it's actually really easy to do. He says, how do you do it? You just have to follow Dave Wicks. I think everybody should have the opportunity to work for Dave Wicks at some point in their life. I mean, he is a great leader, but he's also a really fun leader. I, I do... I, told you guys a long time ago when he first started it here I experienced something new because I've worked for a lot of senior pastors but I've never had any of them twack me in the back of the head with a finger <laughs> so I'd I'd come up with some smart remark I'd turn around and twack <laughs> it was actually sort of fun actually you know I got used to it after a while I have a good sized callus there and it's built up because <laughs> I have a lot of bad ideas actually <laughs> We've had a lot of fun, and I, I think uh, Dave is the life of the party when it comes to the staff. I mean, we have lots of life of the party types on our staff, but, but Dave is all, often uh, right in there just making it a lot of fun. But uh, as you've served us, Dave, we, we endeavor to serve you in the same way in the days ahead. And so I want to I pray for Dave, and then I have a few things to say to us as a church. So I want to bring Dave and Pat up and just pray for them. And would you stand? Again, I invite you not to just leave me as the only person praying. Would you pray as well? Would you silently or as you wish? Yeah. <laughs> Here, we'll go down to the floor so we know where to stand. Okay. Pat, okay. Pat wanted to stay up so she could have some elevation. So. But would you join me in prayer and pray for them and for the season that's ahead? Lord, thank you for the work of grace that was started in past in Dave's life a long, long time ago. They talked about themselves as being a couple of hippies who you found and redeemed and developed and grew into leaders. And Lord, we have... Uh, receive so much from this couple and so we just thank you for them the gift that they are to us and lord we are we're sending them or we'll have them here and we'll get to hug them and love them and, and have them as part of our body and we're thankful for that but we're sending them we're sending out our best again to be a gift to people who are discouraged people who are ready to throw in the towel and give up people that uh, wonder if there's any light at the end of the tunnel, and, and uh, we're sending them into that uh, challenge. And so, God, we ask that you would just uh, make us the right kind of sending church. Make us the right kind of base for them. I pray that this would be a place of safety, comfort, security, love, affection for this couple. As they go out and they pour out their lives for others, they can come back and be filled up here. And God, I pray for the right, uh, I, I pray that you just lead them by your, your hand, Lord. Your Holy Spirit would give them words to speak into people's lives. Give them just the right um, uh, insight into how to uh, affect different leaders. So many di diverse personalities that they're going to meet with, I pray that, that you'd give them the key to unlock each one. 
And Lord, I pray for uh, churches and leaders across the, the, the area that they, they serve to come alive, to come alive in you. Lord, we, we ask for that. We ask for churches that, that are struggling to become strong because of the impact of, of Dave and, and Pat as they come into their lives. Lord, I pray that this season would be the best season. This would be just the best season for them. I pray relationally that this would be the best season. Lord, that uh, in their marriage, that they would uh, exalt in what you are doing in their relationship in this time. I pray for their kids as they get chances to travel uh, both east and west to their kids. I pray that their kids would be blessed and that, Lord, we ask for your, all that you have stored up in heaven for their kids to be released into their lives. And so, Lord, we just we commission them to be representatives of you, to be representatives of us, to be representatives of the ACOP. Lord, we commission them to go and to bring the greatest blessing to people who need a touch from you. We ask this in your name. Amen.